Plenty of time for Stroud. Directing receivers, flips it to the end zone, caught, touchdown! Marvin Harrison Jr. making a huge impact. Milton taking a shot downfield, he's got a man open, and it's into the arms of Squirrel White. Nix, pump fake, takes off, out of the clear, Bo Nix, there he goes, he won't be caught, he's done it again! What's going on everybody, this is Chris K at uh, Burning the Red Shirt podcast here with Andrew P. Katz as usual. This time, this week, we have Josh from Fantasy Points joining us, you guys know him <clears throat> as CFF guys, he's been in the space uh, about as long as I can remember maybe even before me. Yeah, who knows? But uh, glad to have you on, Josh. We're going to talk AAC today. How do you feel about this conference and uh, your knowledge of all 14 new teams or whatever is in there? Dude, I am so sad, to come, you know, going through this process of like, you know, because like conference realignment doesn't really matter that much to us. And so we get to whatever leagues use certain conferences. And so just looking at this league, I'm just like, oh, this is just a pale comparison to the Houston, Cincinnati UCF days and so you know I'm excited to get into this because I'm excited to talk college ball and USF whenever I can but you know it's a little bit sad going like this isn't maybe the monster powerhouse it used to be in CFF yeah I don't know if you can call it a power six anymore like I I I have no idea what the vibe what to think about what the vibe is going to be for the conference because I kind of feel like you get a vibe for a conference either from like the rivalries, the systems, the top or like the top and bottom of the conference. But all that is so much in flux with like uh, a lot of the upper echelon moving out. And then we got some CS CUSA teams, the fun ones moving in, but I don't know. I don't know what to make of it. Yeah. Is, is UTSA and Tulane, the two favorites here to win the conference? They got to be right. Y- yeah. UTSA Tulane. And then we'll talk about my, my favorite, is SMU. So I think SMU's nice. got a little, you know, little, a chance. Of course, I'm, right, I'm not biased or anything. Yeah, let's <laughs> talk about that chance. SMU, I mean, they have uh, historically fun offenses, uh, especially more recently, right? Um, yeah. They have like 15 running backs that everybody's heard of, which is super confusing for me. Uh, and got a big talent in Jordan Hudson coming over from TCU. Josh, like what makes you so high on them, at least offensively? Well, I mean, since they used to all be former Miami Hurricanes, uh, you know, I have a little familiarity with them. You said the no, quiet but... part out loud. <laughs> exactly. No, but I mean, I mean, you have this team that just SMU is very interesting in general. They seem, you know, NIL is good to some some programs and it's bad to others. I think it's been good to SMU. I think they got a lot of money to throw around. They got a lot of private money at SMU. And so I think they've spent that money. And I think when you're talking about a team that has a lot of former four and five stars coming in at a P5 level um, and then coming down to the G5 in a conference that's really not nearly as good as it was even you know a year ago. I mean, I think they got a real shot offensively to be great. I mean, obviously, Preston Stone, like <laughs> hopefully he's not a bust. I mean, I think we all wanted him to be really good. And I think he was a gamer when he came in and he produced, but. We'll see, but if Preston Stone can get it going, I mean, you got, you got basically what you got: Jake Bailey, Jordan Curley, Jordan Hudson. I mean, just Keyshawn Smith, Ramella Brinson. These are all 
former four or five star guys other than Jake Bailey, but Jake Bailey's got proven production. And I'm not even talking about Roderick Daniels and some of the other guys that they've already had there that were good recruits. So I just think offensively, they got a real shot to go up against easily anybody in this conference. Um, and then defensively, I mean, I think we just got to see if if their defense can step up. But they got a lot of returning production there as well. So, Do you have a strong stance on how the target hierarchy and carry hierarchy shakes out? Yeah, I have a very strong, strong stance on that. Um, one, I think Jalen Knighton's going to be the guy um, at running back. Not Tyler and- Levine. Not, not Tyler Levine this time. He's not going to ruin my, my life uh, by taking away Kamara Wheaton touches. So Kamara Wheaton was suspended in the fall. Um, but Jalen Jalen Knighton, go ahead. He's suspended? He was, yeah. Oh, he Sorry. Was. Sorry, in the spring. Yeah, okay. my bad. Yeah. Um, so he was suspended in the spring, you know, but, you know, there's a lot of questions around, around him. And Jalen Knighton, like from everything that Billy Embody, who's like the main beat writer that I go to, main source on three guy, um, like he's just like he sees every practice, and so he just has a lot of information. So, man, Jalen Knighton is—he said like he's got brought an explosive element to the offense that they just haven't had in years. And I think we saw that Lashley will give that guy a lot of carries at the end of the 2021 season. Um, and I think he knows how to use him. You get that guy in space; he's a four, legit four-four guy. And then the AAC that means something. LJ Johnson's number two at running back, and then wide receiver-wise. You got, um, you know, I, Jordan Curley is the number one there. Really, no doubt in my mind on that. Mm-hmm. And then Jake Bailey is the number two. And in fact, Billy Embody the other day was like, I would not be surprised if Jake Bailey went for a thousand yards this year, which kind of shocked me because, like, that's not a guy that any of us are really drafting in CFF. So he's a guy that I'll try to pick up at the very end of drafts um, and redraft or dynasty and stuff like that because he's available at this point. But, um, yeah, and then I think Jordan Hudson will, you know, kind of probably slowly. He'll be wide receiver three, but I don't, I don't think he'll. I think it'll mainly be those top two guys, and then the rest of it will just filter down. Is it too much to expect a total outburst from RJ Maryland this year? Oh, I hope so. <laughs> I mean, on like again, like I hate to keep repeating Billy Embody, but I find certain guys, and I just, I, I really trust their opinion. Mm-hmm. But he says he's a future first round pick and he thinks it's in after year three. So I don't know if that's true or not. But I mean, again, it's a guy that got recruited by Miami. He, you know, decommitted and went to SMU. And I think he's a guy that, yeah, I think he can definitely be a guy. I mean, he's a wide receiver, right? He's six foot four, 210, but he's masquerading as a a tight end. Um, He's like when you put the cornerback at QB in uh, NCAA. It's just exactly get the athleticism over there. Exactly. So I think, I think definitely he can be a guy. I mean, I just think the real question here is like, there's so many targets. Mm -hmm. It's like, how do you get them all the ball in a way that um, makes sense? And they seem to pepper, particularly Lashley loves to pepper his wide receiver one and then a slot. So how, you know, is RJ Maryland that slot? Is Jake Bailey that slot? Like, I guess we'll have to figure that out. What's, what's the, I mean, Rasheed Rice had that huge season and before that it was a, who was it? I forget. It was a guy that I know Andrew loved. Uh, Reggie Roberson. Ro- Roberson. Yeah. Is it fair to hey, expect- don't for- don't forget my guy Danny Gray either? Come and on. Danny Gray. Yeah, of course. Uh, that was like a big battle between me and Mike years ago of uh, Gray versus Rasheed. But mm-hmm. 
is it unfair to think Curly can get the same type of production, or do you think it's like 80% and then maybe that 20% of Rice's production goes towards Curly in Maryland? Yeah, I mean, I think Rasheed, <laughs> I mean, even the greatest of lovers of Rasheed Rice, like Chris K, could not have expected that explosion last year. I mean, one, that guy wasn't running a 4-4-40 three years ago. But, yeah, I think 80% is probably a good – uh, number for him, maybe a little bit more. I mean, they love Jordan Curley. I mean, and they think the world of him, he just can't stay healthy. So the real, real question is like, does Jordan Curley stay healthy? If so, he's, he's wide receiver one. Um, and I think he is by a long shot, but it, you know, if he doesn't stay healthy, like he has never stayed healthy, stayed healthy. <laughs> he's due. We are. His body's yeah. due. Uh, I think a team that would be, I think everybody's been on, um, similar to like Colorado State in the Mountain West, and I act, but I'm actually buying into this offense is Temple, mm-hmm. and I think their offense can be pretty fun. I mean, we saw EJ Warner just chuck it a million times towards the end of the season. You know, Adonicus Sanders had some value at one point. You know, the other guy across the way had value. Now it's Ahmad Anderson. We get the CSU transfer and Dante Wright, and then they have the two tight ends that everybody's kind of in on this offseason. season. Are we being like too excited about a Temple offense, or is there like some legitimate firepower there? Yeah, I mean, I think I think there's some potential there. I mean, EJ Warner's definitely got some talent, and Amada Anderson, I think, can definitely be good. You know, Dante Wright, it's hard. It's just hard, you know, until you see the production from him. I mean, it's been four, four or five years <laughs> since we've seen it. Uh, and then those two tight ends. Yeah, I think I think they're your wide receiver two, wide receiver three. And I kind of like Jordan Smith more than I do, you know, David Martin Robinson personally, just because I think he he seems to be more athletic. Um, I like some of his numbers better. But um, I saw you draft him and. At one point, I was like, who the F is this guy? And then I saw, I looked at like his last month or whatever. I was like, okay. And another random Temple guy that exploded over that that insane uh, stretch run. Fine. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, I'm not, I'm also not like buying into them a ton. I mean, yeah. I think some of it's, you know, they're, sorry, I'm going deep into the wall here, but like four or five years ago, we had, um, oh, uh, ECU and uh, Holton Hailers, right? Mm-hmm. They had that run at the end of the year where their coach was going to get fired, and he's just <laughs> like, "I'm just going to chuck it 70 times." Yeah. Game. And I do, you know, obviously Stan Drayton wasn't going to get fired. It's year one, but I do kind of wonder if there's like a, all right, we're just going to chuck it because we get like nothing else is going to work. I think they have a little bit more, maybe balance this year. I mean, Stan Drayton's a running back coach by trade, and I think you know. He, they seem to like EJ Wilson and um, and Edward Sadie. So I could see them being a little bit more uh, balanced with a lot of returning production, but I guess we'll have to see. I think it, th- there's some validity in moving back to the run a little bit more. All right. You lose some of your better receivers, you know, that maybe one reason that they might continue chucking it a bunch is that they want to keep Warner in this like transfer portal area uh, era. Mm-hmm. Like it's not like he has any connection to temple, right? Like mm-hmm. he's Kurt Warner's kid. He grew up on the West coast. So like maybe there's like, Hey, we're going to keep chucking it. And they don't even have to be all that great. If they continue to throw it 40 plus times, it's kind of like the, the right. Mississippi state will Rogers effect where it's like, yeah, as long as they just keep chucking, it, it doesn't matter. 
because you're just going to get volume. This conference is so weird. I don't even know where to go next. I mean, there's a couple of fun teams for <laughs> sure. I mean, many years, how about this? Many years ago, uh, Andrew and I were, were big Tulsa guys. Big Tulsa uh-huh. guys. We were, we were, su- remember when we were super high on Chad President? Andrew? <laughs> Those were the days, weren't they? How are you uh, not high on Chad President? I know, though? right? I was going to be amazing until he wasn't. <laughs> uh, yeah, which was like immediately when he stepped on the field. Uh, Braylon Braxton's gotten some hype and some love. Andrew, are you, is there any sort of Chad President type love with Braylon Braxton? Or are you out? There, I mean, there, there probably should be. Uh, I think I just haven't wanted him, wanted to buy in since I can't claim any sort of first mover uh, on him. So now I just kind of root against hoping that's that someone else transfers in like Spencer Sanders, right? Uh, after he graduates from Ole Miss, uh, looks around, figures he's not going to be QB1, and why not go back home? and play his final season in a new air raid system, air it out, run it a bit. And he, he's just, he is souped up Braylon Braxton, right? With the experience. So why can't, why can't I wish it into existence? But like outside of just some ridiculous scenario like that, it seems like there's probably no really good reason why he does go higher in our drafts, right? Um, they're going to throw it a ton. He, uh, the, he showed what he could do with his legs. Like I, I, I didn't get a chance to watch him at all last year. And I, just doing box score scouting, I was surprised at how many yards he threw for in some of those those games at the end of the year. Hey, did you get a chance to catch catch him at all, uh, Josh? What does he look like? Do we think like he can carry over and from like a fantasy output uh, perspective and just in new system? Yeah, I mean, I. Yeah, I mean, I love Kevin Wilson. We know what he's produced in the past as far as um, talent. And um, Braylon Braxton, I, I like him as a talent. I worry about I mean, he lost so much production at the wide receiver position yeah. there. And I think overall, there's like, I mean, what? I don't even know how many starters they're returning for on offense. So I just feel like he might be a guy that we might be able to get value at next year. Um, but in 2023, he's a guy that I, I would just I would worry about a little bit because he's I don't think Braylon's good enough to produce on his own. Um, but I do like him. I mean, and that's the type of quarterback that we all go after, right? These Konami code dual yeah. threats. I mean, they're they're gold. But I think it might take a year for Kevin Wilson to get his guys unless, you know, Braylon Presley comes in. And he's just unbelievable, which. I don't. I don't really see that happening. Is he going to play running back or receiver? You know, I've seen. I've I've seen both. Like I don't. Yeah. I to be honest, I don't know because I've seen beat writers talk about both. I, I would assume he'd play wide receiver because I I like their running backs. I like Anthony Watkins a lot. I don't know what y'all thought about him going into last year, but he intrigues me. He actually like kind of reminds me of uh, man Tevin Coleman. If you remember the old Indiana running back with with yeah, of course with Kevin Wilson, right? I, I I could see I could see that going well if they had any offensive line. Um, so I, I I don't think they need him at, at running back. So I hope he plays wide receiver, but I don't know. Kevin Wilson's the co- the head coach, right? The, and the OC they brought in Spurrier Jr., right? Who is right. like defended, like who is just like kind of hitched his wagon to, to Leach for years. So are you, yeah. 
Is this just going to be like straight up leech offense? I mean, I don't know. I mean, how much I feel like Kevin Wilson, I feel like Kevin Wilson wants to prove that like he can be a good play caller. Cause I think his time at Ohio state, like, I mean, he never really got to call plays. Right. I mean, yeah. Ryan day. So is there this itch within him to have control of that offense? Like, I don't know when the guy makes his money, he, he got a big 10 job from being a good play caller. I kind of wonder if he wants more control. So I think there could be more of a balance, but okay. But I don't know. I mean, yeah. if it's Steve Spray really has right. his way, then no. <laughs> right. I could see a running back having a good season here. I mean, that's the, that's happened in the past with Tulsa, right? Just spread them all the way out and just do dives and, and go super fast. And you make a really good point, Josh. The receivers are super thin. Like Malachi Jones is really the only returning name that's gotten significant snaps. And one yeah. thing that they've done just over the last few years, and there obviously is a change more recently, but they've really hammered the same three to four receivers every single yep. year. You know, it was like everybody was getting between like 16, 17 and 24% of targets. So when you lose three of those guys and you only return one, you really question, especially with Braxton, not necessarily being like an all world passer, right? How much success can they have through the air? Yep. South Florida feels a little bit similar to me. Um, Byron right. Brown. Carve out the next half hour. Just like, <laughs> I, to kind of tee this up, Byron Brown looks like the type of quarterback that we all like, right? He had some big games last yeah. year, if I remember correctly. The receiver room is pretty thin. Like, I don't really recognize a bunch of these names. They get the right. Florida transfer, I believe Florida, right? Naquan Wright. So, like, mm-hmm. what is this offense going to look like? Andrew, you look like you're the most hyped up about this. So, maybe you start. <laughs> I was – dude, so I was – I caught – I didn't watch the Tulsa game last year. Did some like was just kind of following it all along. But then Thanksgiving weekend, I tuned in for some of the war on I four, and I'm just I, I I'm watching him for the first time. I'm like this dude is amazing. Hopefully, no one else is watching this so I can draft <laughs> him next year. And all of our friends, all of the people who we hang with, and CFF, I guess we're all in on him too. So like, there's there's no real sneaking him by anyone. He still goes kind of late, I think, just because. We're not quite sure if he's going to get the job straight out of the gate from Jerry Bohannon. Um, where are you in? So, Josh, where are you in terms of doors one, two, two or three? Byron Brown gets the job right away. Um, and Bohannon is just kind of the team kind of mascot or team leader kind of deal. Bohannon uh, gets it for a game or two and then seeds it or it's just Bohannon's job for the year. Yeah, I'm I'm door number two, I think, and I hate yeah. I hate 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 that, but yeah. you know, Phil Steele he talks to these coaches and he gets them like an hour on the phone, and the one line in his write up is, "Did you have you read it?" No. He goes, <laughs> and it's the last line in the QB write up. He goes, and Alex Golish is super high on Jerry Bohannon. And I'm just like, <laughs> knife goes into my heart. Because I'm, I'm like, you know, it is so obvious that right. Byron Brown is just this gem. Like he's, I don't, you never know until they step on a field, right? But he stepped on that field and he, and look, these defenses weren't amazing, but he throws a good ball and he can run. It's like, what else do you want? Like he's Hendon Hooker. Yeah, it's like, what you get in the AAC too. You know, it's not like he's going to be facing SEC opponents. 
he's right. super clearly that that dude that like when you have him run like um run like rpos and shit like he like it was wild watching him like actually like making decisions on on the fly and, and like fake deking out the other team and like I think a lot of guys they just kind of predetermine what they want to do, but it looked like in the moment like this dude actually like he's got he's got it and he could actually like just kind of ad hoc figure it out figure it out and he's got the skill set he's got the he's got it upstairs and like I think it like all he needs is kind of that chance in in the system and it's it's gonna be awesome. Did you see who they took to media day? Jerry, no, was it <laughs> Jerry? Jerry, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I will say this: Nate Marquis uh, has said out loud multiple times like they kind of like jerry as the face of the program because he i guess he's a role model citizen and great leader for the team and maybe it's just like hey we're paying our respects to a guy that's gonna chill on the bench for the next 12 games maybe that's it uh i don't have much of obviously either guy but it it would be a little concerned if i was heavily invested just because right you can't can't ignore some of these different clues as much as i hate coach talk yeah, I mean, this is why I do like best ball. I do feel like he could be the guy by a week three or four. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't get Jerry. Jerry must interview so well. I mean, <laughs> Jeff Scott lost a job to get Jerry Bohannon. <laughs> it lost Timmy McLean and Jimmy Horn. And like, that guy had talent. I mean, yeah. he didn't know what to do with it. And it's just like, I mean, I'm not saying Timmy McLean's like all world. I might, you know, might have a year ago. But, but you know, I think, I don't, I don't understand. Like, I mean, Jerry, he's got clear clear limitations to his game that Byron Brown, I just don't think, has. And maybe he fooled us. And, and maybe Byron Brown just stinks in practice. Maybe he's just a gamer. And that's the only thing I can think about, why you wouldn't see this guy and go, oh, my gosh, he's a perfect fit for my system. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. I don't know. What? But maybe it's just 2024 for them, honestly, because they, got, they, got, they do have some talent coming in on wide receiver in some other positions that I think they could be very good in a couple of years. Dude, yeah. everyone has a different stance. I feel like on their receiver room, it's like all these guys, guys who, with stars and, or coming in from different programs. Dude, I just found out when uh, our, our boy, uh, Heath Boyd took him in uh, the AAC draft that Jared runs. I forgot all about Coffrey Brown. He's dude, he's still there. And yeah, like I, I always liked that dude when he was at UNC um but all right there's 10 other guys in the room i can't really like outside of a single conference best ball in like the 18th round sure but right. i don't know do you have do you have a stance on what's gonna happen in that room who's gonna start and who, who could ball out i mean yeah really so i do think yusuf terry's wide receiver one yeah i don't know much about yusuf i haven't really seen him play so who knows but coffee brown his skill set fits right i mean yeah. the guy is definitely Perfect. deep right yeah. Um. And then Jaden Alexis, like, you know, he has the world class speed, like, I don't, but he never got on the field at Texas, so I don't really know how good he actually is. Um. But they got a freshman coming coming in named Jaquan Smith. Have you guys looked at him at all? Runs a ten three nine hundred meter, <laughs> and dude is like, which ten eight is kind of national elite time, right? Hundred meter. The guy is blazing fast, and he had P five offers. He's good, man. Like I think he's like kind of the next like Jimmy Hornish guy for them. Um, that could be a guy that takes the top off of defense. He's a guy that I think could play some slot and could be really good. But I think that's probably more twenty twenty four. So outside of that, I mean, I think they will struggle a little bit this year. I mean, I think that's just 
year one in the system. And um, unless Coffrey Brown just is unbelievable. <laughs> I, I just don't know what ceiling use of Terry really has to me. It just shows that the limited, limited ceiling of that wide receiver room. Fair. Let's talk a uh, heavy hitter here. UTSA, they returned pretty much everybody. Um, yeah. The one question mark is, I guess it's twofold. Who is their third receiver? And does it actually matter now that there's a new OC, right? That Will Stein goes to Oregon and everybody's idea, well, they just hammer three receivers, which historically they did with Stein, which makes it, it, makes it a ton of fun for us in CFF. Yeah. But he, he leaves. So the, the question here for you, Josh, is who is the third receiver? And ultimately, does it matter based on yeah. the OC? Well, let me ask you guys. Uh, did you guys watch the bowl game with UTSA last year? Dude, fuck that bowl game. I uh, One of my favorite bets every year in bowl game season is <laughs> what, what, what the lowest scoring bowl game is going to be. Um, on Fan, FanDuel always has it. And it it feels like, I don't know, I, I perceive that you can get value from it at least, whether or not it's true. I, I, I don't think I've ever actually won it. But um, yeah. last year, uh, you you know how it is with bowl games. You can kind of predict the opt-outs and stuff. And I was like, that Louisville-Cincy game is going to be an absolute disaster. So, right. like, Cunningham's gone. Um, guys are transferring all over the place. I, I got a sweet number on that. It was, like, 18 to 1 or something. Uh, and it, they ended up being this, the second lowest scoring game because there was a field goal kicked in the fourth quarter or something. And there was like 31 points only to the UTSA Troy game, which was 18-12 and 30 points. Like that game must've paid out amazing for being the lowest scoring game. Um, yeah. But yeah. I mean, in that game, right. Players dropped left and like poor Frank Harris, dude. So let's, let's play it back. Clark out from November. Cephas out. He got hurt in that. Like, I, I assume you watched the conference championship. Yep. Like, he clearly, like, he got hurt in that game um, and then came back in. But they were probably like, whatever, we're not going to play him. And then Zakari Franklin gets hurt in the game, too, in the bowl yep. game. So they're just running out. They're basically just targeting Cardenas uh, uh, a bunch. And um, I forget. I I played a bunch of that dude Kellogg and he did not get anything in that game. Right. Same. Right. And it was what was it Carpenter who got uh, all the targets? Yep. Yep. Yeah. I and so I guess like maybe we can't take a lot away from Justin Burke, but I was very unimpressed with his play calling. And I just think eventually <laughs> they got a run like they got what was it Barry Lunny, the Illinois OC that it was the old UTSA, UTSA OC back in the day, I think before will stein and then it was will stein and now it's justin burke and i just think that eventually your luck runs out with that like how do you get good play callers like one after the other and i just wonder and i know that the you know the context for what you just gave was great but it's like i just also wonder if like just justin burke's just maybe not that good of a play caller and i'm a little bit concerned overall um about utsa i mean i don't think they like drop back significantly but you know, Decorian Clark, like he tore his ACL in like late yeah. October, and like he seems like he's coming back. Maybe it's just an ACL, but I mean that just that concerns me. Do you hear the way people talk about that injury too? They're like, I can't believe this dude's walking already, and like it. I I 
I, I have no idea what actually happened. Didn't see it. But like the way people describe the injury when it happened is not like, oh, this is like you're running the mill ACL. Like he, the, I get the vibes like he ripped his leg apart. Yeah. What? It seemed like it, and like now he's like running around. He's like dressed up for like team like spring ball, and I'm like, what's yeah. this guy like Superman? I don't yeah. think so. So the newspaper reporting has basically said that both guys look good, and then specifically the coach came out and said that he's a freak. You know, Clark's a freak that he's he's practicing. We held him out obviously for you know just because why yeah. would you bother? But you do it does. I have a lot of Clark because I've just been able to get like you know receiver two for UTSA at the very worst is feels very yeah. good. And I wonder, you know, is it you know maybe we do get bad play calling, but I feel like Frank Harris could overcome that. And if Clark and Sievitz are healthy, they have Barnes who's awesome. Like I feel like you could get over that, but we might be overpaying for 2024 UTSA, whether it's like young guys or next year's drafts. Is, uh, you know, who would benefit was Barnes. Barnes had an awesome end of the season. He had a big game in the bowl game. Yeah. Barnes is like a top three, top four rounder easily. Is that too high or is that like a good sweet spot? Or what do you think, Josh? No, I mean, I think, I think there is, uh, shades and they don't play like, like this, like each other, but like Dwayne McBride to his game, like where he came on at the end of one season and then, you know, comes on the next season. I could definitely see that Convorian. I mean, I uh, I really like him a lot. And then Nate's really high on him too um, from C2C. And Nate's got a good eye for that stuff. And so, I, yeah, I like Convorian. I definitely think he could be the – I mean, he was, right, in that bowl game. He was the beneficiary of some of those injuries. Um, and Frank Harris, the other thing with Frank Harris is that – and it hasn't happened in a while. So, and maybe just <laughs> injuries are just luck or not luck. But that guy didn't play for four years for a reason, not because he wasn't talented. <laughs> like he get he gets he got injured a lot, a lot of ACL injuries. So you just wonder with him too of like, does the injury luck run out? And if it does, like their backup's pretty good. But one snap know, away from the Eddie Lee era. Yeah, I do. I you know, Eddie Lee is a is a legend down here in the state of Texas. So. <laughs> um, but, but I do think Kavorian Barnes is the guy that I would probably lean on more than others. Although I have been taking more Clark uh, myself as like with Franklin gone and just the reports that he seems to be good. Barnes is the only guy I've drafted, I think from UTSA. And even though I'm a little sketched out by just, like you can envision outcomes where oh, okay they they brought in some they brought in that dude from Vanderbilt who doesn't seem that great and then they brought in the top JUCO RB too right I don't know mm-hmm. if that kid's good but I just kind of hold my nose and like and take him a lot more often than not when he's available in like round three or four because yeah. the upside is like top two top three RB in all of CFF so I'll ride with that yeah. Right. He- in- he was just super impressive yeah. for like an early on in career type thing. Um, and other running back, and it was funny, right? We all talked about other running backs and then ultimately it was none of them, um, mm-hmm. which I'll, I'll tell a quick little story here. I was in the CUSA draft last year and uh, that Jared puts on from C2C. I had Frank Harris and Austin Reed as my quarterbacks and I got seventh <laughs> out of eighth place. <laughs> like, do Sounds you like my season last year. I had, dude, my flex players were literally the worst leading with Ty Edwards as my second round pick. Uh, 
All right, really quickly here. You were the only one who was on him, I think. Yeah, gun to your head. We got a signed shirt by Ty Edwards. True story. <laughs> who is your Who's your third receiver? Whether it's a good position or not, but who would be that third receiver? Real quick, Josh. I think it's gonna be. I think the third the third starter would be Tyke. You know, Kellogg, Ogle Kellogg, how you say his name. Uh, but I think Chris Carpenter would probably get maybe wide receiver three production. If that makes sense. Okay. Andrew. Um, I have no good. Uh, I don't know. I I've taken in like different dynasty or type uh, formats and stuff. I feel like I have a, a little bit of Kellogg, a little bit of that dude, McCoy who mm-hmm. ripped it up in Ju- Juco or whatever. Um, but I don't know. I'm not really going out of my way for any of them. This feels like a really good jumbo receiver three situation, Andrew. Yeah, but but not but I don't think it is because you're picking between three guys for that third spot, and then you need to be right about that, and then you need one of the other two to get to get hurt. So it's not just like trying try, like where it's a locked in third guy, and you just need something uh, adverse to happen to one or two. You need to be right on a, a three sided coin to start with. Okay. I think what's interesting too is that I've seen like several different places like hype up that this freshman David Amador. I don't even know if I'm saying his name right. Have you guys heard of that guy? Like four sided coin. All all the guys (laughs) that well, everything has been like Willie McCoy or even like Devin McQuinn who ran like a ten to eight hundred (laughs) meter, and then it's like this guy David Amador. Like he was at North Shore, which is a powerhouse here in Texas high school. Uh, But it's like. That guy, like he could be, he's kind of the future wide receiver they're talking about. Although he seems kind of limited athletically, but that's another name that you could throw in the mix. And do you ever go to high school football games in Texas? No, I mean I got four kids. I got got things like I'm doing on Friday nights. All right, we're (laughs) fair. Uh, You mentioned uh, Dwayne McBride. Um, Jermaine (laughs) Brown might have been Jared Palmgren's greatest pump and dump of 2023 <laughs> jared loved jermaine brown and i think we all slowly talked him off the edge <laughs> and got him and now i don't think jared takes him at all so uh but jared was a a, a fun participant of my inadvertent pump and dump tweet so i shouldn't yeah. rip on him too much but is are you on jermaine and brown at all i mean like mcbride was cool because he was big and he was getting a ton of carries like athletically he didn't feel like an impressive figure right but Brown is smaller, more athletic, I would say. Is there oh, yeah. is there any chance that we see McBride usage out of Brown this year? I don't think so. I mean, they brought in Isaiah Jacobs, the former Maryland running back, and then um, brother of Josh Jacobs. So I think there's going to be enough of like an RBBC that I don't see that Jermaine Brown. The other thing is like, I think they have like, I don't know, less than 20 career starts coming back at offensive line. Like I like I'm I'm not buying Jermaine. Jermaine Brown wasn't that good to begin with in my eyes. Um, like to be warranting a top, you know, ten round pick. Like I would stay away from UAB in general. I mean, I think there's a lot of questions now. Those questions could be like may, maybe like Alex Mortensen's like the next coming at OC, but and maybe Trent Dilfer's just like this amazing CEO. He certainly was as an NFL quarterback. Um, but <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't know I, what Dilfer is going to do. 
it feels like there's a lot of unknowns in like to base it off of previous years. They're returning three starters and like what, like 30% production. I think they're one of the worst. I think their offensive line is like 130 and like returning experience or something. It's just like none of this is like setting up for the type of player that we want to hang our hat on. And Jacob Zeno, are you any part of you, Andrew, that likes Jacob Zeno? I, uh, I, I also pumped and dumped, uh, Brown. I feel like I'm out at this point. Like I, I was drafting for a while, largely because I, I mean, I love dual position eligibility. Yeah, yeah. That, that's so so fun in best ball. Um, but the O line thing definitely sketches me out. Every time Dilfer does something wild and unpredictable, I'm like, like, is this guy ready to just lead in like a super professional program like UAB has been in the past? Like so reliable. No, I think he's like. He's going to take chances um, in lots of different ways. And who knows how that plays out? Like, so whereas like in the past, the UAB running back's been this like kind of super just predictable thing, which is awesome. Um, I don't know. Now I'm, I'm sketched out enough where I'm not really actively drafting him, but dude, I, um, I don't think I ended up getting him in the CUSA best ball this year, but I, uh, I'm interested in Landry Liddy more than, than Zeno. Um, it would it would have been so much more fun if he stayed at Louisiana Tech. Like I I, I don't know why he decided to, to leave uh, after after one year. Like dude got on the field year one, the numbers weren't amazing, but like what more could you want than than that system to kind of nurture yourself uh, into production and growth for the next like two three years? But I don't know. Z- watching Zeno play quarterback, it's like, all right, dude has a cannon of an arm and he's like pretty athletic, but I don't know. <laughs> like, he so really... he's Malik Hornsby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like a, a, a jacked up version of that, I guess. Um, but <laughs> I feel like that that's probably not going to work out throughout the entirety of the year. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if we see Liddy on the field sooner than later. What, uh, what do we think about Rice? They have a lot of unknowns. They get JT Daniels as quarterback, which, good lord, man, uh, I just don't even know what to think about that anymore. Uh, the least sexy running back room in America, like Ari Broussard <laughs> and Juma, uh, you know, Rosner transfers out. So, and then Cedric Patterson, like people start looking at the roster, and he's not on the roster anymore. So, like, I think conceivably Daniels can can provide for two receivers, or do we think? kind of that Rosner usage goes to McCaffrey. I wish I had drafted more McCaffrey. I've taken like in the last three drafts I've done now, but it's not enough. Can't play catch up with those first like 15 drafts or whatever. Like dude, you've seen, we've seen every time Daniels is on the field, whoever his favorite receiver is gets like 25 targets a game. It's amazing. So yeah, now that you've got, Whereas I think you could argue you had like a one A one B with Rosner and McCaffrey. Like I think that just largely consolidates just obscene usage for McCaffrey. Um, I drafted. I said CUSA before, but I'm, I should have said AAC because that's what the conference we're talking about. Conference only best ball <laughs> um, draft. But I before um, Patterson transferred out, I was like, well, who's going to be the WR3 at Rice? Like, we're in, like, round eight, and I already who know, don't know who any of these players are. Um, but I ended up drafting UCLA transfer Matt Sykes. I guess mm-hmm. he's probably going to, like, get some targets, but 
it's going to be just tons of McCaffrey. I think it's like, I don't know what, what to, what is too high for him at this point in terms of where you're going to draft him. Like he's probably going to get used to on the ground in some capacity, right? Like why wouldn't you give him some cool, like shotgun snaps every now and then also. And he's just got, I think he's just going to get targets for days. Yeah, that's the type of uh, transfer in Rosner that is like potentially game changing for CFF, and what makes it so frustrating because it's like you know I wasn't I don't have barely any McCaffrey shares. Yeah. I was like I was grabbing Rosner late, and I was like, oh man, I like like that guy's just a touchdown machine. And with JT Daniels, yeah, you can support two wide receivers. And so now I'm looking and like, oh man, Luke would have been great to have, but then yeah. it's also like, man, like. Yeah, it's just a bad team. So, you know, you just wonder. But in, if JT stays healthy, then, man, look out for Luke for sure. Yeah, and I think Sykes is the good, I guess, like, guess at second receiver. Um, yeah, I agree. You know, the other guys are just super unimpressive names. I think, like, Kobe Campbell is somewhat interesting just because I've heard the name before and kind of seen him play, I feel like. Uh, but <laughs> that is a tough one. The nice thing, to your point, Andrew, is – JT Daniels is a statue. So if they did want to do anything creative with the quarterback, they'd have to use uh, McCaffrey. So maybe I think Padgett's a little athletic there too, but I feel like they would just keep McCaffrey on. So maybe there's some even more added upside uh, for it. I have no idea where their quarterback room begins and ends. Cause last year they were just pulling these guys out of the woodwork. And every time you think, all right, now we're at the point where, the forward pass is no longer part of the <laughs> random dude throws for like 250 and the receivers just keep going for like a hundred yards. So like it, I, I've, who was, was Padgett the guy who was like a walk on and like beat North Texas uh, in down in like week 13. Like I, I, it, 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 it I thought, I find it so fascinating how like you go program by program and like some programs, like, established quality programs like once qb1 goes down it's over like, forward, <laughs> like oklahoma last year like the forward pass is not happening and then rice goes four qbs deep and they're still hit hitting like for two or three bills no problem it um it's crazy yeah and that like just from like a handicapping perspective and betting perspective like that is that remains like such a huge edge if you can identify like when a back backup quarterback is just totally about to suck the life out of an offense. Like, cause that will never get properly baked into a line. Like the idea whatever, like there's no way Vegas was going to set a proper Oklahoma, Texas line for last year, minus Gabriel, even though they swung at like 10 points It what the final score was like 55 to three or whatever. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I love that shit. The, the whole like quarterback depth chart analysis type game. I'll tell you one team that's going to, that's similar in this group is temple. Like if Quincy Patterson, is the quarterback for Temple like everybody that everybody that drafted anybody in the receiving game is screwed because that is <laughs> that is not good. I mean, yeah, maybe Dwan Mathis comes back and plays quarterback, which is also just as bad. Uh, I mean, we could gloss over Navy, right? We don't really need to talk about Navy. They have three bye weeks, the rare three bye week, and uh, <laughs> none of them really were all that productive. Fafana. This feels like is yeah. the only guy you could maybe take in a redraft yeah. for best ball. Yeah, maybe. I, <laughs> think, I, weeks I, got their, I got their wide receiver one in like the 19th round of, of the AAC draft and it was like the highlight of my team. 
the that dude umberger or whatever i, I don't mm. maybe I, I don't know i, I quick did like a quick twitter google search i was like am i missing something like did this kid uh his his eligibility expire but i think he's still there so i was pleased to know that the couple of games where he gets like a random 60 yards and a touchdown he's likely to to find his way into my lineup from the 19th round or whatever that's yeah. amazing yeah it was nice I was pretty bummed when I missed out on Army's receiver one late in the CUSA draft because we had <laughs> Army added because the CUSA is so bad. Uh, all right, another big gun, um, Tulane, headed by yeah. Michael Pratt. Uh, they lose uh, stud running back uh, Spears. I couldn't believe, can't, how did I forget that name? Uh, <laughs> but they they use just like five receivers and just chuck it all around individually, like pretty fair. Is that the same type of thing you think we'll see, Josh, in 2023? Or is there a chance for maybe some consolidation? Or Yeah, I mean, I think so. I, and I really think um, just overall, like Michael Pratt's really the only guy that I would take chances on. I mean, you look at their like percentage split between running back one and running back two and like past years, like not counting last year. Like last year was such an anomaly. It's like that's not going to happen again. Um, let's see if I can pull it up here. Like the split is just crazy. It's like 29, 25 and 2021, you know, percentage of, you know, who runs the ball between RB one, RB two, and it's 24, 25. And it pretty much follows that all throughout, except last year was 41% to RB one and 10% to RB two. And so it just feels like, I don't know. I think people could fall in love with a, uh, you know, shoddy Clayton or something like that. But it feels like this is going to be RBBC and it's going to be Michael Pratt who's really going to be the only one that's going to give this production. Because I don't even know, you know, again, who are you going to rely on there, a wide receiver? Um, in my opinion, it's just it's, it's going to be hard to figure out. Makes me feel good about not having any of the two-lane running back group. That's one of those situations where I think, like, this is kind of, like, bleeds into my UCLA theory that they're not going to be all that great this year. Is that, like... Yeah, Chip Kelly was awesome with DTR, and he started him young. You know, DTR was young when he started playing. But, like, he was also a drafted NFL pick. Like, the offense was incredible. Like, to think that that offense is going to be similar to uh, a DTR Charbonnet offense for UCLA with a true freshman quarterback or Garbers at quarterback feels a little bit uh, assumptive. Same kind of thing here with Spears. It's like – Sometimes a good coach, which I think the Tulane guy is, they just know, hey, this guy is awesome. Like, I'm going to veer a little bit off of what I typically do and give him, like, he's, and by the way, the 41% of carries was low because he got injured a couple times. I don't think he finished a game or two or missed a game. Yeah. Um, they kind of did like this weird, like, it kind of like an NBA load uh, spell where they're like, all right, let's not use you too much. Like, because he'd have games of like 12 for 102 touchdowns, and you're like, I want more, I want more. And then it's like, no, nah, he's good. We're going to give the other guy in. So, yeah, let, let's talk. I'm going to ask a dynasty question. I liked Kai Horton when he came in and then immediately got hurt, but I thought he looked pretty awesome to start that one game. I drafted yeah. Horton in like a super deep, this best ball league that Nate put on that's 24 teams best ball. I feel like that was a good pick late, Kai Horton. Do you think like there's any chance he's a valuable asset next year? Yeah, I mean, I think Tulane quarterbacks in general are like viable assets. Are they going to be like game changing? I mean, I think Michael Pratt's probably the best that they've like maybe he's ever had. And I don't think he's like a, 
a game changer. Um, so, but I, I think like Kai can be serviceable. I, I, I don't think he's Michael Pratt. I mean, right. I think Michael Pratt's pretty special. Um, but I think he's good. I think Andrew maybe has some opinions. <laughs> smiling over here. <laughs> I've, I've never been the biggest Pratt guy. Um, yeah. I don't know. He doesn't really do it for me with his arm. And I get that he uses his legs a lot, but I guess it's just a good match between skill set and system because <clears throat> I watch him and it's just, I don't know. It's not that game changing. Uh what I feel like he does on the ground, but I guess it just works within with the system and he's enabled by it. So it's whatever. Um the, dude that so the, the Kai Horton game, I didn't I didn't catch any of the short time he was on the field, right? That was that the Houston game where three had, touchdowns in the first half. For for Horton? Yeah. Did he have that? Oh I didn't realize he played that much. Um he but, didn't. He played like a quarter and a half or something yeah and then he, i think he landed on a shoulder on a run and yeah yeah, something yeah like that and broke his collarbone or something and he was out and the third string guy beats houston in that game right and like some wild comeback <laughs> or something yeah uh, i think you make a good point though on pratt like i think pratt's an amazing college quarterback and josh you're right certainly the best two lanes ever had he kind of reminds me of like grace and mccall where they both put up great numbers and like they're great for their systems and they right. do real well statistically I just have never really been impressed from like an NFL standpoint, but like from a college sure. standpoint, it's like, I mean, it's, it's about as good as you can get their dependency on him. Uh, their, their desire to run him. He's, you know, I don't care if he throws it to five different receivers. So that doesn't bother me uh, from a quarterback standpoint. So that I think Pratt is similar to McCall in that fashion for me. No, 100%. Yeah, I was not talking uh, NFL evaluation. But I do think it's interesting that, like, um, you know, everybody thought that he was going to go to Florida this offseason. Um, and so the fact that SEC program uh, wanted him, granted, Florida is not the best at identifying yeah. quarterback talent. <laughs> Sunbelt Billy, I don't know if uh, I don't know if that's the guy, but it's not a negative, that's for sure. Right, but I did I did hear rumors that there was other uh, SEC programs that wanted him as well. I don't know who they were, but um, I'm sure Pratt could have gone to half of P5 at least. You know, obviously, if you have a great quarterback, you're not going to grab Pratt, but like I think he could have gone to a lot of places. Yeah, I, I and I think you know. A lot of I see a lot of people kind of trash like two four seven or different ranking services, but like there's a level of like if a guy is ranked as a mid three star, there's a reason why he's ranked as a mid three star. It's because he's got he's just got physical limitations, and I think that's what you see with Michael Pratt. He's a he's a guy that's good or above average at probably most things, but not really great. Like you don't you don't go like what's the one thing that he's going to do well? I mean, he's kind of like a a career backup in the NFL is kind of what I see him as. Yeah. So uh, North Texas has mm. had some really fun historical offenses. Uh, you know, Austin Ani surprised us all and did a couple of things. He looked great and he beat out Grant Gunnell, sent him to Sam Houston, <laughs> I think, right? Yeah. Uh, so is it possible like Chandler Rogers or Jace Reuter? You're pretty, I feel like you're closer to this than the rest of us here, Josh, like, who wins the quarterback job? And is that actually like a late round pick that you want to make? I don't know. I mean, Chandler Rogers was a guy I was on very early um, and a guy I really liked. He's kind of probably one of those pump and dump guys that you're talking about <laughs> earlier. Now that I'm thinking about it. Um, 
because he he struggled in in scrimmages, and Jace Reader looked good, and so I don't really know who's going to start there, and so that's done enough to scare me off of Chandler Rogers. But you go like before Jair Shorter transferred out, they had like five of six of their top receivers coming back, all their running backs. I mean, you just see the returning production. You go this this offense has a chance to be legit. Yeah. Um, you just you know. It's it scares the it scares the bejeebies out of me that Jace Reuter might be the starting quarterback. Um, so, you, go ahead. Do you get fraud vibes from Eric Morris at all? You know, Bainbridge brought that up, and it's like, yeah, potentially. Yeah, I, I do too. Yeah, potentially. I mean, I think this is a guy that maybe he just has rode some coattails onto a you know a G five job. So it's, he scares me a little bit for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought Chandler Rogers is actually, you know, a guy that's throwing what high sixties percentage wise at ULM. I mean, that's, a, <laughs> it seems like it'd be a decent QB. And now he's all of a sudden like, you know, he stinks. And I'm like, the yeah. system's not that complex. I'm like, what's, what's <laughs> happening. Yeah. And they have a ton of talent. Like you said, I recognize every single one of their the names on the top six, except for Jordan Smart. And I feel like I should have heard that name before. But they got yeah. big transfers. They got Trey, Trey Cleveland. Uh, Cleveland and Blake yeah. Conroy. Like those are for those are like P5 guys that made smart decisions and went G5 where they could excel and at least have a great collegiate season to end on, right? Yep. Whenever they're done. Um, and their running back room was three or four deep last year with very viable guys with, uh, I think it was Johnson or Ragsdale and uh, AO. Uh, I'm not mm-hmm. going to try to pronounce the last name yeah. uh, out of respect to that family. Uh, so like they have a lot of talent. Oscar. Don't forget Oscar. Oh, and our guy, yeah. Oscar Adderley, oh. man, that was such, <laughs> yeah. man, you just had to do that. I remember like it was yesterday. Was it? I think we were all on him at some point. It's great. <laughs> What a great guy. And then he just tears his knee up like right after every single draft is finished. So RIP. But, you know, they have a ton of different talent there. Uh, It feels like if you get good quarterback play that this is going to be like an incredible offense, at least for G5 ranks. Right. And it should be. And, I, you know, I've seen a lot of people um, on uh, Jay Macklin, I think, in particular. I know that um, Joe from the CFF site is like pretty high on him. But I just I, I want to like I want Trey Cleveland to be the guy. I've got <laughs> shares of him. I think he can be a good possession receiver um, type deal. He's not going to take the top off, but I really want him. I mean, he he had some good games at Texas Tech last year. Why can't he do it at at UNT? So and then you have old uh, is it Roderick Burns that's been there for like seven mm-hmm. years? Yeah, I, I can't believe he was still there. If Jair yeah, Shorter was still there, man, that receiver room would have been like 27 average <sighs> age. And uh, I wish he was still there, still there though, because that wide receiver room would just would have been incredible. I think he limits the the ceiling on it. But all right, so we got uh, I think four teams to go, and this is where it gets a little ugly. Um, <laughs> it's gonna be quick. Yeah. No. Well, I think. I I am like a closet East Carolina fan. Like they've had yes. some really fun CFF teams. You know, I went to the first game after the shooting at Virginia Tech and it was against East Carolina and they made like a big donation and it was a big deal. So like I have like a little soft spot in my heart for them. Mm-hmm. They lose like every super valuable player on that offense. But they return a couple interesting guys. One guy I'm super high on is Marlon Gunn Jr. 
Like as a true mm-hmm. freshman, he comes in and pushes uh, what's his name Keaton Mitchell to the side a little bit when Mitchell had like seven concussions in a row. Yeah, let him kind of take over a little bit, and I thought he looked good. Uh, is Gun like a real asset in CFF for you, Josh? I mean, hypothetically, yes, but I, I do get a little bit concerned about Raji Harris. Um, and I don't even know if I'm saying, saying his first name right. I'm glad we're not like official media people over here. Yeah. <laughs> We'd be in trouble. But um, but yeah, I, I, I think they really like Harris a lot in that backfield. Um, and so I worry about him taking some carries away. I think Marlon Gunn, if this was 2024, I'd be like, man, like that guy – Definitely needs to be go top 10 rounds. But I worry a little bit about this year about RBBC. But I like Gunn. He's going to be first up. Harris is coming off an ACL injury. So it's going to take time for him to come back. Um, so, yeah, I think Gunn's where he's getting picked in drafts. I think it's great value for him. Yeah, it's a good upside pick. Um, they also brought in that dude, Gerald Green, right? It feels like they yeah. want to they want to kind of at least start initially run out three guys and see – kind of how the, the, the cards shake out. Um, yep. But I I don't know. I didn't get to catch much gun last year. Um, but a lot of people I trust, including yourselves, uh, like him. So I can buy into it. Yeah. Um, I, uh, I've found it so interesting how immediately following the bowl game last year, the coach just in the bowl, bowl game press conference basically was like, all right, it's the Mason Garcia era. It starts right now. Like, dude's been here three years. Um, we're not going to the portal or anything. Like, it's his show. I have no idea what he brings to the table from a skill set perspective, but it's always nice to just have a complete lack of ambiguity and some certainty surrounding anything in CFF. Um, so I was happy to grab him in, in AAC best ball just as like, okay, this is the a foundational uh, piece for my team. Like, it's a, a mutual fund probably in all likelihood, but I don't know. Does he do any, do you know anything about skill sets? You going to do anything interesting? Yeah. I love Mason Garcia. Um, I, I think he's, I have so many shares of him in our, all our best balls that we do. Oh um, really? I never even yeah. noticed. Yeah. I just, I'll grab him at the end. Cause nobody, nobody wants him. but um, <laughs> you know, he's a guy that came in as US, US, USF or Navy. They rushed for a hundred yards against he's like six foot five. And like 230 pounds. He's a big guy, but he's athletic, like basketball background. Um, he's one of those guys where like they talk about him in practice, and he's just like literally has like NFL type arm talent, skill. Um, but like I think he struggles to process the field and process an offense. And doesn't seem important. Uh and man. Uh, I hate I hate even like putting this in, into the into the air, but Steven Ego or yeah. he's the beat writer for ECU. He does his the podcasts that are great right now on position previews. And he's adamant that it's a there's a QB battle between really? Mason Garcia and Alex Flynn. Because Mason Garcia just like just really struggles to process. And so as strong as his arm is, like if you can't, if you don't know where to go to the ball and you just bail out of the pocket really early, there's there's some concerns. So I think Mason Garcia is a better CFF asset than he is like a, you know, an actual college quarterback. But Tell man, me like I, him, think, I think I think if he can like keep the job, he's a 20 to 25, you know, point, 
point per game guy, whereas Alex Flynn is just like a game manager, you know, he's 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 Hank Backmeyer, Bachmeyer, whatever. Um, so I, I'm hoping that Mason Garcia keeps that job. The the one thing they have going for him is and or I should say the for Garcia if he does win the job is that like that game script is probably gonna be pretty bad for Gunn to play a little devil's advocate there. Like that is a yeah. concern for sure. It's like how much are they gonna like how much are they gonna purposely run it with Gunn or whomever if they're down by two to three touchdowns every week? And I don't know how yeah. great their defense is, but I know that if you're starting a guy that can't process the field and you lose um, a couple big receivers and CJ Johnson, Ian Winstead, like you're probably going to be playing from behind the whole time. Uh, Charlotte feels like another QB battle, right? Like, I don't know if we even care about it, but like what <laughs> happened to Xavier Williams? All of a sudden, like, I thought he was pretty cool last uh, was a year or two ago when he played some. And then all of a sudden it's like, yeah, Jalen Jones is probably the guy. You know, yeah. he's gone, right? Xavier Williams. I know, but I'm like, how did he like? It seemed like he wasn't going to be the guy, and he left, yeah. which baffles me. Well, it seems like they're just like bringing in all sorts of transfers, right? I think all their quarterbacks are transfers, if I'm not mistaken. It's like Micah Bowens, Jalen Jones, and it's like I don't know, man. That whole thing. There's so much turnover there, right? And then at the wide receiver position as well, it's just like, what? I don't know what to make of this other than that running back. Duo yeah. Robinson, I think he's going to be pretty good. And Sh- Sh- Shadrick Bird obviously has some talent as well. Yeah, well, you could definitely quibble with or just project that this team's going to suck. Um, and what is that going to do for the run game and run back production? But you know, right, what they want to do is run the ball 60 times a game with through the, through their run backs. Um, which, I mean, it's nice to know that just from a, especially given the cost, like all their running backs and redraft are not, not pretty much, they're pretty much free. Um, right. So for a while I was drafting Shadrick Bird, uh, pretty regularly, but I, um, I hit up one of their B writers and he like kind of sent me straight that like, all right, Bird's going to be like a, a core part of it, but he's not one of Bitpogi's guys. Like. They brought he brought in Daryl Robinson, some transfer whose name I can't remember. Um, so the idea that they're just going to lean on Bird for twenty plus carries probably like that that might not be what's going to go on here. So um, I uh, yeah, I, this year might might end up being a mess. But just when we think about systems that drive running back production, like this is a potential goldmine in the short term. Yep. Yeah, I think this is like this conversation should be 2024 dynasty because one, the I don't it's Mike Miller is the OC they brought in. I think is, is his name, but he's supposed to be like this gem of a rec- recruiter. And, you know, Biff seems to have I mean, he got Durrell Robinson to come right his high school running back. He's got connections in the in the D.C. areas, which, mm-hmm. which is a little bit untapped. Um, like, I think that this could be a team that long term. Like these guys tend to get good offensive line. Um, these type of coaches get good offensive lines, and then Robinson to me is like an underrated asset in Dynasty. Um, that and I think he still goes high, but I think he should be going higher, right? Right. Um, because I think in twenty twenty four, in twenty twenty five, he's going to be really, really good. Um, it's unfortunate with Bird because I think Bird's talented, um, but uh, yeah, I think you read the writing on the wall, and it seems like this guy, he, you know. 
Biff wants to get his guys in and, you know, and start the future. Yeah, Biff to me was a is like a man like a game manager or CEO type or COO type. Yep. Where it's just like, hey, I'm gonna get these different assistants and let them run things, and I'm just kind of like the glue that holds it together. He had this like kind of interesting position at Michigan where he was just like this this like advisor to Harbaugh in a sense and like team leader yeah. culture guy. Getting yeah. fights with other coaches on Twitter. Yeah, I was very. <laughs> See, yeah, he's leading, leading by example. And <laughs> I would imagine, you know, whatever the OC wants to do is going to happen. And you, great point, Josh. He has a big connection with like the DC Baltimore area. Um, that one five-star defensive end that transferred from like Bama yeah. to a small school up to Michigan is a perfect example of like that guy only went to Michigan only because of Biff. So yeah. I think you're going to see some people that have, you know, some potential good recruits that go there just because of him type of thing. So. Final two teams, Memphis and FAU. Let's make Jared Sweat, Casey Thompson talk for another couple of minutes. Memphis, uh, Seth Hennigan has had some fun seasons. Yeah. Uh, they have a really loaded up running back room, I feel like. Uh, what is that offense going to look like, Andrew? You, you got a certain vibe on how that'll play out this year? Uh, at this point, I feel pretty scarred by drafting Memphis running backs from the, the past few years, and maybe that means it's the perfect time to draft the, to the newest up. one that they brought in, Blake Watson, but I haven't done it yet. Uh, receiver, I have no idea. They've got a bunch of guys, um, right? But I have no idea if any of them are going to like actually do anything that actually makes them worth drafting. Uh, I'm, I feel like the offense should be pretty productive. I took a flyer on their tight end Juco dude that they brought in last year and sat behind preschool. And I forget his name. It's, it's Landspear. yeah, that dude, I drafted him uh, recently and f- felt decent about it, even though like, it seems like they've got this plan with their tight ends where they'll bring in a Juco guy, that Juco guy sits for a year behind the other Juco guy. And then that guy comes in and t- they brought in another one now to sit, presumably sit behind Lamphere this year. Um, so I'm hoping that that potentially pays off and, that and he can uh the bar isn't that high for tight end production right to actually be uh um be semi-valuable from a fantasy perspective and memphis has turned out uh tight ends so i'm cool drafting drafting him and kind of just seeing what happens um but i don't know i don't really hennigan's never really done it for me uh from a fantasy perspective and i don't have strong leans on the running backs and receivers yeah I think this is going to be a better actual college football team than a CFF team. Like I think Hennigan is potentially worth drafting, like you said, because I think they got they have skill in the in the wide receiver room. I don't know if they have a wide receiver one, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. And same thing with running backs. I think all those running backs are really. I mean, they've all been productive at some point, but they seem to want to go to RBBC. I, you know, personally. I think they should fire Ryan Silverfield if <laughs> they go like seven and five or whatever. Again, like yeah. they're just that guy is slowly killing that program. And this is a program that multiple guys have come in taken over and done really, really good with. And it's like, if you can't pull off nine to 10 wins a season um, and he was handed a freaking gold mine by Mike, Mike Norvell. I mean, we, we can see what Norvell is doing at Florida state now and he ruined it. And so I'm, I'm just, I'm just mad at, at Silverfield, yeah. so I don't want anything to do with Memphis. 
I don't know if you I'm uh, emotional. <laughs> I don't know if you've listened to our other conference pods at all, but we like to try and kill one or two coaches uh, per mm-hmm. per show, and I yeah, recommending the the axe for Eric Morris. I'll take. I can take if you don't want to be on yes. board, but that's fine. And I, I'm on board with your silver field take. It like it's just stagnant. Like this isn't this isn't getting uh, the program where it deserves to be, and it should be looking to go. And they have good players. Like Blake Watson has been awesome yeah. at ODU yeah. and Ducker was good. was at Northern Illinois. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. you know, they got uh blank MC from Toledo when he was quality. Like how, how is he going to mess this up? You know, like <laughs> you either be good on the field or you, or you give me a, a fancy asset and win six games. I don't care, but it's no in between. You got to give me one. Uh, right. The land fear mention is interesting because I do think tight end is a position that, like we have to find these random guys that could be valuable yeah. mid to late uh, because unless you pay a kind of a crazy cost on some of these guys, you're really just taking a stab in the dark. Uh, that feels like one that could be um, interesting because they do use the tight end, obviously, a good bit. So FAU, I mentioned uh, Casey Thompson. I think, you know, I've talked to Jared on CTN a couple of times about it. He loves Casey Thompson. I get it. And his kind of like his stock has gone up since he transferred to FAU. Josh, are you pro Thompson? Do you think he's nothing special? Where do you stand on him? Yeah, what's what's Jared's take? Uh, I would he love loves to hear. Kind of, well, he but loves why? Him because <laughs> of uh, who's their coach now? I forget him. I see him. Yeah, Tom Herman. Tom Herman, perfect. Yeah, he comes right. over to FAU and he, mm-hmm. you know, Jared did a good job of not saying you know full Sam Ellinger, but hey, if you can make Sam Ellinger like a superstar, why can't you make Casey Thompson like a quality CFF asset? So yeah. I think that type of thing is where his head's at. Yeah. I mean, I look, I like Casey Thompson a lot. I mean, I think I have him. Where do I have him in my rankings? Um, let's see. Our, I have QB 14. So, I mean, he's a guy that I'm, I'm pretty high on personally. I just think like Tom Herman wanted to get his guy. He wants to run a quarterback. That's what he does. He's done it with Greg Ward. He did it with Sam Ellinger. Um, Casey Thompson is not a guy that's run a lot, um, on design runs, but I think he can do it. I don't know okay. if he's big, big enough to handle that, but also, I mean, this is a team that is returning a ton of production. Um, I think they're pre- returning like 68% on offense, eight starters, 10 starters on defense. I mean, this is all, this is a team that could really come in and um they just were a quarterback away i think from and Le- lejante western maybe is the bigger beneficiary mm-hmm. of this um but i do think casey thompson he throws a, a good enough ball he throws a good ball and i think he can run i mean especially in the like you always have to like you know when when people drop down a level you got to say okay like the big 10 was not going to be a good fit for casey thompson um <laughs> and neither was sark's system because sark didn't want to run the quarterback but you know, I mean, this is a guy that came in with Cam Rising back in the day, um, and I think he's a better, I think he's a better runner than than Cam Rising, and so I think this is a guy at FAU that could absolutely be, be really, really good. Um, and Tom Herman is just a factory for quarterbacks, so I think you have to trust that. Herman yeah. recruit Herman recruited him to Texas, right? Yeah. Okay. I mean, yeah, it, it was the Colorado Bowl game where we kind of, I feel like we got some. Uh, Casey Thompson. <laughs> yeah, that un- unbelievable game. Yeah, that was fun. Um, what was I going to say? Is it as simple as 
three players, Thompson, Wester, and is McCammon like, are you in on him? Yeah. So I, I, so I, I struggle with some of this stuff because like, you know, all of us, like we got, like you guys are the first guys I've ever played. I ever played CFF with like, you know, all season long. I was listening to y'all's podcast back in like 2011 (laughs) uh, when you guys, you know, before BTR made, you know, came back, right. The, The original, BTR. Um, <laughs> that's how that's how I got into all of this was, you know, you guys in that league that we did, that big dynasty league that Zach started. Um, and so we, you know, dynasty is our first love, at least my first love. And so I was on McCam- McCammon very early. I think sometimes when guys don't produce, whether it's from injury or the reason, like I, I tend to like come off them a little bit or we just realize what they are. So I like McCammon. Sorry, that was a really long winded way of saying I like McCammon, but I think he's just limited in ultimately what he's going to be. Um, and yeah. I don't know. I think there's enough talent there. If Kobe Lewis can be healthy that I could see them going RBBC. Cause that's kind of like what, that's what Herman likes. Like he likes to, yeah. I mean, even when Bijan was a freshman, he, he lost his job cause he wanted to like rotate running backs with Keontae Ingram. Who's you know, not. <laughs> don't, back. don't say that name out loud, please. <laughs> But uh, he's not Bijan Robinson. How long until uh, JB on Posey takes over at QB? <sighs> Don't break my heart. <laughs> <laughs> Man, that would be awesome. I mean, I think, you know, talking about it. Herman would never do something like that, right? Put a wide receiver at QB. Never. Not in the middle of the season. Yeah, that's that's definitely not. That is Dude, that's like a great week. point, though. I, You know, as much as I love Posey, I never even, never even crossed my mind that he might do that. It's Andrew inevitable. every year loves to find like he tries to attempt to find the cheat code, and this <laughs> is this year's cheat code. We talked about it a while back, yeah. I, months ago, um, and we talked about how like Posey like was quarterback, then he wasn't. Then like you, if you look like literally, we spent like an hour each individually trying to find anything on him on like in Google and stuff, and nothing. Um, and he's not even listed on. Uh, on Mike's CFF depth chart on the CFF <laughs> yeah. site, but it could happen. And I, if you, if it happens, it's big. I like Thompson. I mean, obviously from a CFF aspect, I like him. Uh, but I just think like at Texas, I was never like that guy sucks. I was like, Oh, that guy is decent. Not bad. Nothing crazy. Right. You know, sometimes you watch a quarterback and you're like, that guy should move positions immediately. Um, and I never got that with Thompson. So now he's being mixed with Herman at a G five with a Wester. That's awesome. And some other guys that are quality, like yeah. this feels like in 2024 off season, we should have been maybe more on him. He's like one of those guys that's like, we should have seen this coming. Um, but, but I think his hype is growing as Jared talks about him, as we talk about him and then just the general public gets to learn about him. So, yeah, I've tried to stay in that 10 to 12. I tried not to like reach for guys this year. Cause I did that so much last year. And, um, and so I, I'm hoping he can stay in that 10 to 12 round range because it's an awesome range and even lower than that. Um, but we'll see. Ho- hopefully he doesn't get too hyped. Awesome. Well, I think we knocked them all out this time. We didn't do the whole Stanford thing like I did with the Pac-12 <laughs> conference. Uh, sorry about that. Cardinals fans. And I think it was Corey that was bummed out about that. Uh, real quick, Josh, before we go, tell us what you're doing at Fancy Points, what we can see, what to expect for the season. 
Yeah, so, you know, we're just putting all of our team together there, and so we'll have a couple more announcements rolling out. But, you know, we're going to hit everything from CFF to DFS. I think for a while we were just going to do DFS stuff, but we've decided with Zach Hall coming on, and he's just got some great stuff like matchup reports and gets really into the granular details that we all love um, and that stuff and some projections as well. We're going to do uh, weekly projections. So I'm really excited. I think that we're going to have a, a good – good team i always like to you know work with some good friends um and um i think it's going to be a fun season so that's what we got going on yeah you've been doing a good job of uh of working twitter so if you're not following them which i imagine 80 to 90 percent of people listening to this are but uh at cff guys is where you can find him he posts a bunch of good stuff he hawks the the different reporters and quote retweets it which is always good to kind of get top of tom line and uh we appreciate you hopping on, one of the, the one of our final three guests. We've had a lot of fun doing these, and appreciate you hopping on and uh, chatting AAC with us. Thanks, yeah, man. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, guys.